Deep Deep pattern downfield, touchdown Miami. What a throw, Devontae Parker. Holy smokes, what a drive. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we're going to commit a cardinal sin and read our own press clippings. We'll gauge how the national media has perceived this draft class before we turn it over to my guest today, draft and college football expert, and really, who am I kidding, NFL expert too, Emery Hunt of CBS Sports Headquarters. All of that and more on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. The cardinal sin of sports, positive or negative, is reading your own press clippings, right? I remember back in high school, and hoops to be specific, our head coach would post newspaper articles in the locker room among every other very, very, very corny motivational tactic you can think of, and we went 4-16 and 16 my senior season, so eh. And that was at the advice that we neglect all positive press, which was hard to come by in a 4-16 and 16 season, and even the preseason full spread in the newspaper predicted us to finish bottom of a 10-team conference, and it called me a scrappy hustle defender in their blurb on me, Jim Rat, coach's kid, first in, last out, you know the drill. So you can find both and probably with any team in the National Football League. And there are some stories out there that question some things, some ideas and some approaches of this Dolphins brass. And that's how just just, just how it goes. Plenty of local outlets that have pointed out some concerns they have. But the stuff that really shows up on my timeline, at least, is some of the stuff that I'm going to play for you guys here. Let's go ahead and start with this clip that from a podcast that straight up tells you They really don't know the first thing about college ball or the draft, but they do study the NFL and the rosters and ahead of his starters series on NFL.com, Greg Rosenthal of the Around the NFL podcast. And I'll go ahead and play the question first and then the answer from Rosenthal. What's a team that you really like right now? What's a team that you can't wait to see them um, assembled on the field because you feel like they're they're better Mm. and they're going to be stronger than they were last year? My heart says the Dolphins. That, that's the one that pops to my mind. You know, I think, you know, they got all these picks the last two years. I think if you're ju- judging their last draft class off their rookie year, there's some concerns that maybe they didn't use those picks that well. We'll, we'll see. And so we'll see about the, the five picks that they had in the first three rounds this year. But I liked them. Like, I want to see Jalen Waddell and Will Fuller and Devontae Parker. Uh, I, I thought the other picks they made, Jalen Phillips, uh, and I think Tua Tungavailoa is going to be better in his second year. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like they're, they have come together. Their team has totally turned over. I know there's been all this uh, crazy uh, transition and different coaches, like, and that all looks bad. But I, I think they're going to be exciting, and I'm kind of excited for Tua Tungavailoa to prove people wrong and that he's better than people think. So he likes the Dolphins and their offseason, staying at the NFL Network and friend of the podcast, Peter Schrager, as well as his esteemed co-host on the Good Morning Football program on NFL Network, Nate Burleson. They double-dipped on the Dolphins after night one. Hey, we were doing headlines, and I said that my headline for the draft after day one will be 
Miami making monster moves. Mm. And that's exactly what they did. They went out there and they got some playmakers right out the gate. Oh, baby. Jalen Waddle is a receiver yeah. that can make plays. And he's going to come in right away and make an immediate impact. This dude got speed. He got hands. Hey, check this out. He averaged almost 20 yards a pop. 20 yards a catch. 18.9. That's wild. Tell him, Nate. That is a big-time playmaker. You know what that does? It also forces Tua to unleash it. Because sometimes Tua can be a micromanager of games. Sure. Now you bring in a guy that can not only be a wide receiver that can throw deep stretch the field, but you can also use him at punt return. And then at 18, they went and got Jalen Phillips and Schrager. I know that you were sitting there just like me looking at these two playmakers thinking to yourself, Miami, mm. all of a sudden, they're going to become legit contenders. Go one level further with this, <clears throat> with some insight from what they were doing in their draft room. And it's very rare on our show that we come out of the draft and it's like, who's the winners of the draft? And we've got four hosts and there's 32 mm -hmm. teams and we each pick a different one. Nate, I'm doubling down. The Miami Dolphins mm -hmm. won the draft last night. I love Here's it. why. That trade they made with the San Francisco 49ers, they picked up a first-rounder for next year, a first-rounder for the 2023 season. And do you know who the top-rated wide receiver on their board was? It wasn't Jamar Chase. It was Jalen Waddle. Mm. They got their guy. Wow. This is why they made the trade. This is what they did. Jalen Waddle was the top-rated wide receiver on Miami's board. And when they made that trade with the Niners and then traded back up with the Eagles, it was because they didn't want to miss out the chance to get Jalen Waddle. Here's the rub, here's the here's the story on Waddle. It's a serious ankle injury in week five. Everyone assumes his season's done. Works out like a demon to get back on the field for that national title game and plays. And what everyone said coming into this draft were a lot of players opted out and there was no problem with that last year. COVID, whatever else, what other reason you might have. Jalen Waddle, he opted in. Said, I want in. And mm, that yeah. is what the yeah. Dolphins are Tell trying it. to build there. He played in that national title game. He wanted that action. He wanted to get on the field. The Dolphins are ecstatic right now. And then to add on, Jalen Phillips, who I had going 13th overall in my mock draft, and then he comes out and he falls all the way to 18th, that's a steal. Jalen Phillips, top pass rusher on just about everybody's board, comes from the University of Miami, but before that was at UCLA, where he was a dominant phenom before he had to transfer. Of course, he's had some injury issues. There are some questions about, okay, how does that translate? Because he's such an athlete. This guy had the best pro day out of any defensive player in the entire NFL and interviewed off the charts. The Dolphins got their stalwart at wide receiver, who's going to go with Parker and with Fuller and with Gasecki, and then got maybe the best pass rusher in the draft at 18 overall. I know we don't often double dip on teams and we like to spread the love, Miami Dolphins fans, have yourself a morning because you had yourself a night last night. What a job. A plus. That was the first night of the draft, and then we come back with the same network, the NFL Network. They asked Brian Baldinger about who was some of his favorite picks on day two. Well, if, if people didn't understand who Javon Holland was, and I know he opted out this year. They weren't doing their homework. This is a dynamic playmaker going to Miami, a team that led the league in takeaways a year ago, and that's kind of what Javon mm -hmm. Holland could do. He mm -hmm. could do it all at safety. And he's one of those guys, deep middle, down at the line of scrimmage, in the slot. He really has versatility to his game. And it didn't surprise me how early he went. He's a great tackler. I mean, he's got size. You watch him right here, and you watch him run support. Get in that B-gap. Take care of that B-gap right here. Don't let that run go any further. Sure tackler in space. But then, like a lot of safeties, you get a guy in the slot right here, you better be able to cover. 
And then it just sort of ends, fighting crime, penetration, crime, penetration, crime, penetration, and then it just kind of ends there. But you heard him talking about the tackling, the slot coverage, all the fun stuff that he can do. How about this tweet from Bucky Brooks? The Miami Dolphins were close a year ago. Ellipses, dot, 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 this new class should push them over the top. How about Peter King in his Football Morning in America piece up on NBC Sports or Pro Football Talk talking about how Miami picked four scouts darlings in the first three rounds with Waddle, Phillips, Eichenberg, and Hunter Long. He says if Tua can play, and you guys know how I feel about that, this team's going to be dangerous. Dane Brugler had Miami as his number nine draft class up on the athletic out of the 32. 18 experts associated with NBC Sports, their consensus grades across those 18 expert picks were the fifth best draft class in the NFL over the weekend. And those are all the stuff you hear about the top of the class, the top five picks in three rounds we're going to hear about over and over again. But as you all know, the sixth and seventh round and the undrafted class makes up a massive chunk, the most significant chunk of NFL rosters. And that's where we turn to an expert of all ranks of college football, Power 5, G5, FCS, historically black colleges, whatever it is, he's covered it. He's the creator and owner of Football Game Plan. You can see him on CBS Sports HQ, Emery Hunt. Emery, the draft is over. Are you kind of breathing that sigh of relief? Like you got a vacation coming up or what's going on, man? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always football all the time. I am ready to step back and just kind of, you know, relax just a little bit. But, you know, normally if this was a non-pandemic year, I'd be preparing to go up to Canada for their all-star game circuit, which kicks off, <laughs> you know, 2022. But that's not happening this year. So I get a little bit of a break before we dive right back into the mix. Do you think you'll ever be a guy that does that? Because like I, I always love Daniel Jeremiah. He's like, all right, I'm going to the beach. I'm going to Bermuda somewhere. Don't bother me for a week. I'm taking some time off. That's not the deal with you, man. You're always working. And that's why the, the analysis is what it is. You know, <laughs> I, love I, it. I, can't, I can't take time off if I only studied 50 prospects like what I did all season. Like, no, I, I do 600 and we kind of roll over into the next year because, one, I love what I do. And football is all year round. So for me, it's not like work. I mean, this weekend for me was a dream come true, hosting our draft party and and bringing out all those podcasts and talking to coaches and players. It's like you said, man, it's not work what we do. We are the luckiest people in the world. And man, I, I know I've told you this every time you've done the podcast, Emery, but you really inspired me from a young age with all the just posting your work to different message boards and the relentless pursuit of the career. You've made it, man. It's awesome to see. I love your work. And that's why we have you here today talking about kind of, I want to get your collective thoughts on the entire draft class, but I'm not sure anybody else has a deeper catalog of player evaluations out there, like you mentioned. So I want to kind of start in the weeds here, if that's okay with you. And we go to the seventh round, the 231st pick in this draft is offensive tackle Larnell Coleman out of UMass. Now, Larnell is the owner of one of the class's largest wingspans and athletic profiles from his days playing hoops back in high school. And he's also the selection of the cutest draft pick ever made by Miles and Maxwell Flores on the broadcast. But I want to hear your thoughts on this kid, Larnell Coleman. What do you got, Emery? You know, he already matches up athletically, and that's something that you notice on film. You see him on reach blocks. You see him be able to, you know, catch these shorter, quicker defensive ends and, and really escort these guys out the club. So athletically, he's already, you know, what you want as, in a pro offensive lineman and, and still has upside left in this game. I thought his tape was underrated, so I'm glad to see him get his name called in the draft in a situation where we've seen good development so far with the draft picks they had last year and guys – stepping in, stepping in, ready to play. 
So he's landing in an ideal situation for his skills so that he can continue to grow because, again, he already is what you look for in a pro offensive lineman, but his tape at UMass was outstanding. Again, east-west type athleticism, able to, you know, reach block. So your outside run game and all that stuff is going to be key with him. So I just like the pick. I thought it was a very good, you know, one value pick, but a good prospect to go to a good situation in Miami. Two questions for you to follow up on that point. Number one, do you think he's the kind of prospect that maybe needs a red shirt type of year to go to the practice squad and get his game down? And number two, you know, I talk about 84 and a half inch wingspan just blows my mind. You mentioned the athletic profile. That seems to really be kind of the Dolphins bread and butter. I always refer back to this um, signing from the AAF of Jared Jones Smith. And I, I saw him on the practice field running sprints and I couldn't believe the differential between myself and him as human beings. Like we're not the same species. And so I'm wondering what is, what do those two things, wingspan length and, and athletic ability, what does that do for an offensive lineman in their, in their potential development? And what do you think of Coleman year one practice squad guy? Or does he have a chance to make the roster? I think he has a chance to make the roster. I think he's going to be a good depth piece because, like I said, he's ready to play now athletically. And when you talk about long arms and wingspan and length, all of that means nothing if you don't have the quickness to get it up and get it onto a defender, which he has. I like his hand usage. I like the fact that he's able to uh, really do well on both ends of offense as a pass blocker and also in the run blocking department. So with that baseline of athleticism, baseline of skill set, he could be a nice reserve piece coming in until he slowly gets acclimated to the system and then he can compete for jobs next year but I think he's too talented to leave vulnerable on the practice squad to be quite honest Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Jesse Davis, DJ Fluker, Liam Eichenberg, and Larnell Coleman. Dolphins have some options there at the offensive tackle position. 13 picks later, we come back, and it's the second running back drafted by Brian Flores and Chris Greer, if you exclude fullbacks and Chandler Cox a couple years back. Both those guys in the seventh round with Miles Gaskin, and now this kid that has some folks pretty excited, Emery. His name's Jared Dokes out of Cincinnati, an absolute wrecking ball who showed the explosiveness he has in those tree trunk legs of his, a 39 and a half inch vertical at 228 pounds. Wow. Uh, Emery, what can you tell us about this kid's game? Well, he's an angry runner and uh, he runs with a purpose and he does a good job of, you know, like you said, one cut downhill explosiveness. You want to see him develop a little bit more wiggle. Uh, one thing I, I tell, you know, anyone that asks about the tailback position, you know, there's not any... There are no 18 or 19 year olds in the NFL. So you can't just run over everybody. You know, no one is scared to tackle you in the NFL. He's a grown man. So you're going to have to develop some wiggle or you won't last long. So for him, that's just the biggest task right there. But you love the explosiveness. You love the burst. Um, and he goes into a situation where he can kind of make his way. But, you know, for me, I think he's more relegated to special teams duty uh, out the onset. You think he's he's wired to do that? I think so. I, I think when you have the mentality of running to everybody, you know, you kind of tailor me for special teams. You know, that's essentially what special teams is. Uh, so I do think he has that that in him uh, if he wants to, you know, be on the team and make the roster. Special teams is going to be key for him. What do you think about his three down uh, prospects as far as being a guy that can catch the football and help out in pass protection? And then also as far as what he did uh, schematically wise at Cincinnati, what, what type of run calls best suited him? You know, I think he's just a one hill down, down one cut downhill runner. Um, you know, I think when you watch him play, he's a good complimentary guy. And, you know, Miami seems to be good on complimentary backs. They, you know, they have a depth chart full of complimentary guys, no one real bell cow. Uh, so he goes into a situation where it's going to be familiar to him. 
But I think for him, it's basically just, you know, uh, special teams is going to be his ticket, to be co- completely honest. Coach Danny Crossman will love to hear that. He's got all kinds of guys in that unit charged up to play special teams for him in one of the top five special teams units in the NFL last season. So that's the final draft pick for the Dolphins. Then there's the frenzy post-draft with players who didn't hear their name called. Four players are reportedly right now, as of this recording, signing with Miami. Two of them from the same position group on the offensive line, two on defense. And we'll start here back on that O-line with Robert Jones. And for the folks out there that haven't seen a lot of Middle Tennessee State football, what does this kid offer? Excellence. I had a high grade on Robert Jones. And, you know, you like how aggressive he is. He's the type of guy that brings the fight to your doorstep. So he doesn't wait on defensive linemen to, you know, figure out what they want to do. He's going to attack you with an aggressive pass set. His hands are, are violent and they're consistent. They're concise. He could play guard or tackle. I have him graded as a guard, although he played right tackle at Middle Tennessee State. But that's someone, to me, that's primed to make the roster because how talented he was. Then you go down to the Senior Bowl, had a good week of work. You saw him do great things. I think the viral clip was with him and Shaka Tony, um, you know, body slamming Shaka Tony to the, through the ground. Uh, but Robert Jones is phenomenal. To me, That was a, I, th- I was surprised he didn't get drafted. So I think Miami got themselves a steal with Jones. Jones is excellent. He's versatile. He's uh, athletic. Um, he plays fast. He plays aggressive. He plays quick. That's the type of guy you want uh, playing on your offensive line. So I was excited to see him go down to Miami where, again, they've shown the ability to develop offensive linemen. And when you have the baseline skill set that he has, it wouldn't surprise me to see him factor into the mix early uh, despite being undrafted. That's awesome to hear. I just told you about all the depth guys I think we have. We add this guy to the mix. Reports also out there that he had a nice little signing bonus attached to that undrafted free agent offer so clearly like you say Emery probably some teams in pursuit of him there and on the offensive line we also go with Jordan Tucker out of North Carolina reportedly and that was a star-studded program that saw Diami Brown, Daz Newsome, Chaz Surratt all drafted but so were Javante Williams and Michael Carter from that dominant dominant North Carolina running game how did Tucker contribute to that and what's his long-term projection here in the NFL? I have no grade or scouting report on Tucker, so I can't even explain what he brings or what he is or what he does. So when I looked at that undrafted free agent list, it was just Robert Jones to me. That's the one that clearly stands out as that has a great chance to make it. So I can't even fake my way through uh, a a fake analysis or a scouting report on somebody. Hadn't seen him, hadn't watched him, um, and didn't know he was even eligible for the the class. So, and that's saying something because I have over 600 scouting reports in his draft class. So him or there's one other guy I saw on that list that I just don't have grades on. Um, But, you know, good luck to them. But at the (laughs) end of the day, Robert Jones, first, second, and third, that's the one, that's the guy that, that caught my attention initially. I think we can just skip over it then. So no Jerome Johnson or Jaitlin Askew either. Jerome Johnson is a, is a depth guy. Uh, I have something on him. It was him and his teammate. They kind of graded the same, um, you know, they play a lot of snaps at Indiana. But, you know, initially, I think you look at that defensive interior for Miami, it's going to be tough to, to really break the 53. Uh, so practice squad like libel or likely for him. Um, but again, him, it was him and his team. I can't remember his teammate's name, but I know it was both guys along that defensive line that spearheaded a very good defense, uh, top 15 defense in, in the country. Uh, so he has some work withable skills, but I think he's more of a depth guy. So definitely – headed for the practice squad if he's able to make it. 
Uh, I'm with you as far as not having a whole bunch of immediate knowledge ready for you, but I did read that he was a lo- another one of these long guys, primary three technique, had 13 and a half sacks in his career. And then Jaitlin Askew from Georgia Tech, uh, he's got some special teams pelts on the wall, a guy that went down and covered kicks and played a million miles an hour there. So again, kind of checking those, protofi- or those prototypes here in Miami. Let's go back to the, uh, well, my next question was going to be, if you had to pick one to make the team, who would it be? But I think we already have that answer. Let's go back to the top of the draft. And, you know, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, Javon Holland. We come back with Hunter Long in the third round and Liam Eichenberg sandwiched there in between. He skipped over his name on accident. What did you think of the Dolphins' first five picks in those first three rounds? And does any one of those guys stand out to you as like, that's a Pro Bowl type player from day one? I think Chris Greer got my draft guy because I love all those picks. Number one, <laughs> Flanker was Jalen Waddle. Number two offensive tackle was Liam Eichenberg. Number two in inline tight end was Hunter Long. So number one uh, defensive end, four three defensive end, Jalen Phillips. So obviously, I, I love the Miami Dolphins draft. They nailed it, in my opinion. So um, I'm glad we were seeing it all the same way. Uh, you know, as a general manager. So I thought that was awesome. Uh, the fact that Waddle is an explosive guy. And going back, I was on a Russ Tucker podcast back in the summer. And I and this is before the season, so I was like, Jalen Waddle is the best Alabama receiver. Um, and this was before Smith did what he had to do to win the Heisman. Because Smith, to me, at that point, I thought he was more Ted Ginn than anything. Going through the season, he became more Marvin Harrison to me than anything. So Devonta Smith did a great job in improving his stock. Uh, but Waddle, his speed just doesn't make sense. His <laughs> rocket Ishmael like it's it's you know Joey Galloway like. It's the re-acceleration explosiveness that just leaves you just blinded by his skill set. Jalen Phillips has good value because he's able to play both ends of defense very well, playing the run, playing the pass, shows good hand usage, shows good instincts, good technique. So he's a plug-and-play guy. Eichenberg, it was funny. I, I was shocked that there wasn't much talk amongst draft media about Eichenberg um, considering how much space he vacated up, up front for Notre Dame. You know, there was – Ian Book had all they to throw because Eichenberg and, uh, you know, Aaron um, Brown or Bean, yeah. uh, the, you know, the, the, the guard uh, that ended up going to San Francisco, all those guys there would just dominate. And so Eichenberg was my number two tackle. I thought he was tremendous. And then you talk about Hunter Long, you know, it, it may not be flashy, it may not be dynamic, but it's consistent. And the blocking part is where – he has value. So you pair him up with Jasicki, and now you have a strong tight end group because you have somebody that can do it on the, you know, against the run um, or in the run game. And Jasicki is the type of guy that gets you downfield in a passing game. So you can keep both guys on field. And I just thought that overall Miami just nailed it. And I was, I was actually excited. Miami nailed it. A couple of teams, I thought every pick was just like, wow, that's a great pick. Wow, that's a great pick. But Miami, to me, it just backs up you know what they did last year i had high grades on a lot of their rookies and so i thought back-to-back classes you know it's it's just good and that's why you saw this team on the precipice of the playoffs last year and i think this year they have a great chance to kick the door down and get in you mentioned two tight end sets 28 percent of the time and 12 personnel that was fifth in the national football league last year with mike gasicki and then a combination of durham Smythe and adam shaheen at that position so you talk a little bit there about the entirety of the class and i've got so many questions to kind of I guess, follow up with you there. And I want to go ahead and start here. 
Um, you know, you mentioned last year's draft class and obviously Austin Jackson, Tua Tungavailoa both got plenty of playing time. Noah Igbenogany started the season playing, but then wound up getting some more special teams work as Byron Jones and Xavier Howard were healthy and playing every single week. Robert Hunt played a lot on the right side of the offensive line as well. Solomon Kinley on the interior. So that's a lot of talent and obviously a lot of that birth from the Laramie Tunsil trade a couple of years back. I'm curious, Emery, how does a, a roster that has so many early draft picks in consecutive years like that, because we're going to rely on these guys. These guys are going to play significant snaps. How challenging is that for a coaching staff to get all those guys gelling quickly on the same page and getting them to play winning footballs early in September? It's a good problem to have. You know, you ask any coach and they'll tell you, I'd rather have a team full of talented guys and struggle to try to put the most talented guys on the field than a team full of not talented guys. So, you know, it's good because this year is different. You get a little bit back to normalcy, I believe. So you get to have, you know, the full off season. You get to have preseason where those, you know, live game reps are so valuable because you can't fake live in practice. No matter, no matter how much you want to simulate it, it's hard to fake live action. And preseason games have tremendous value, and that's where guys can develop that chemistry. So I think that's what you're going to see for the most part for Miami. Again, all those guys you mentioned last year, especially those offensive line picks, Combine with what they have this year, not only will they have a, a strong starting five, but their next three, you know, or four is going to be really good. So you don't have any drop off and that just keeps the offense rolling. And that's just going to make the transition easier for Tua Tagovailoa in his second season. Now going in, knowing he's a starter, knowing he's the guy, not looking over his shoulder, a little bit more comfortable in the system. All of that is what you want if you're a quarterback. So, I love the fact that he's going in with that level of security around him, both mentally and also physically with the offensive line and with those receiving weapons. We talk about Waddle, but you got Parker, you get, you know, Preston Williams back. You got, you know, uh, Will Fuller, like good luck, man. Like that, that's <laughs> too much speed out there um, on a perimeter. If Will Fuller is healthy for the, for the full season, you know, that's him and Waddle on the same field at the same time. Good luck, safeties. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I just I just think Miami is going to be so fun to watch. And I still feel as though they're running back away from being truly special. I think I'm going to come back here in a second and ask you for a prediction because I love, I love what I'm hearing from you. But I want to ask you a couple more questions first before we get to that. So you had mentioned the, the offensive line being, you know, seven, eight, nine, possibly deep up front. I mean, you go look at the 20 or going into last year before free agency when they signed Eric Flowers and Ted Karras and wind up drafting the three rookies. I mean, Jesse Davis was like the one incumbent that you knew was probably going to get a crack at a starting job up front. And now you look at the rotation, he might be a swing tackle, swing interior guy, maybe the seventh or eighth guy off the bench, or he could start, you never know, but it just speaks to the level of roster building and, and team building this this, this uh, Dolphins brass has done under Chris Greer and Brian Flores. One more question for you about an individual, Emery, because I've been watching his tape the last few days, and I haven't seen a bad one yet. It's Javon Holland out of Oregon, the safety who... 800 snaps in the bo- or in the slot, 300 at free safety, 300 in the box. I'm wondering, where do you think he's most dangerous at? Secondary. Period. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Like, I love his ball awareness. <laughs> you know, that's one dude that is always around the action. And, I, you know, he opted out this past season or what have you. But that dude is excellent in terms of what he brings to the table and, and what he does from, you know, an instinctual standpoint. So I love his game. I love what he's able to do. Uh, 
ball skills and ball awareness are two separate entities, and he has them both. So he doesn't miss the opportunity to turn the ball over, and he's always going to find the football. And to me, I know you know uh, they're going to love him down there because you have smart football players. The ball awareness part is a smart, a smart football player. The ball skills part is the technique part and the skills to turn the ball over, and he has those. You won't see any dropped interceptions or missed opportunities to, to make a play on the ball. Holland is excellent. I forgot to mention him uh, you know, earlier, but that's one pick that I really like as well because, again, anytime you have someone in the secondary that can find the football like that in a passing league, in a passing era, that's worth your weight in gold. You know, that's someone that just keeps you honest defensively on all, all offense. I'm sorry, where, you know, you don't, you know, you can't make errant plays because someone back there is, you know, a step ahead with his instincts and be able to make plays on the ball. And, and coach talked about this in his, his post-draft presser that he loved Javon Hall and even said it was one of his favorite tapes to watch. And that's pretty uncommon for coach. He's usually going to tell us rookies have a long way to go, which eventually he did tell us that, but to compliment a player to that nature was, was, um, was pretty telling. I think of how coach Flores feels about Javon Holland. So I cannot wait to see what he does in this defense. Emery, I, I asked you earlier, I was going to come back to it. I, you're just talking my language right now, man. I've, I've been kind of hyping this thing up my own as well, but what do you think, man? We're, we're a few months away from training camp, but is this team a division contender, a division title contender, a deep playoff run, or where you got this team at? Well, they could be a, a title contender for sure, a, a conference title, a division title. I'm sorry, AFC East, sure. you know, division, you know, contender. Um, they were there last year. You know, they they had an opportunity last year. So, I think ten wins is definitely um, doable. Once again, you know, to get the the extra game this year. So we'll see. Um, if, if a running back emerges as a true threat and if Tua takes the next step, um, then you can see this team, you know, not only just getting into the playoffs, but winning a game or two. Uh, but I think talent wise, they are a 10 win football team. So that's going to be the biggest key. Can they close out some of these closed games? Can they, you know, not drop games that they're so quote unquote supposed to win? That'll be the biggest question mark. But, you know, all eyes will be on Tua. You know, it's his second year, first full season uh, in the system, not coming off of, you know, an injury. So we'll get to see the talent that we saw at Alabama pre-injury. And I'm excited to see how he's going to do this season. Three months until August and the start of training camp. I can't wait to see those guys back on the field together. In that meantime, Emory Hunt's going to be doing about 150 college scouting reports as well. So Emory Hunt, CBS Sports HQ, football game plan. Emory, where can the folks find you on social and what are you working on right now? They can follow me on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. Subscribe on YouTube at YouTube.com slash FootballGamePlan. Uh, you can still pick up our draft guide at FootballGamePlan.com slash 2021 draft guide as we know the rosters will always be transient during the training camp period, preseason, and even during the season. So anytime the Dolphins sign someone new, you could thumb through that, that scouting report and find uh, you know, you know, a name or a scouting report in it. So it still has value for you. Uh, we're excited about it. It's done really well this this draft season. That's uh, our second edition of putting out a draft guide. And also, we're working on our draft grades. We love to wait until rookie minicamp's done before we throw out our draft grades. You can find that on YouTube.com slash football game plan. Great example right there. Savon Ahmed goes for 100 yards in a game last year. Maybe you hadn't heard of him. Go back to football game plan and Emory Hunt and find out his scouting report. Emory, thank you so much for your time today, man. It was a blast. Learned a ton. Be well, my friend. Have a good one. And there he goes. He said it all right there. Great podcast, great back and forth. That guy is full of knowledge. We talked off air a little bit about meeting up next year at the Shrine Bowl, possibly up in Tampa, St. Pete. Hopefully that can work out for us. 
In the meantime, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast. The Audible TV show is going to be on this Saturday. Your boy is going to be joining John and Bo. So check that out on CBS4 here in South Florida. MiamiDolphins.com. We have Javon Holland. We have Jalen Waddle. We have Jalen Phillips. And we should have Liam Eichenberg up very soon if it's not up for you guys already. All those written profiles. We're going to get every draft pick up on MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.